Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to Psalm 139, verses 16 through 17. I'm th- yeah, 13, 13 through 16, excuse me. Uh, let's give it up for our Facebook crew that's joining us from around the world. We love you, Facebook. Come on, our Facebook fam. Uh, and we are in week two of a collection of talks titled Plan, Vision, Dream. And this is really all about the preparation of what's to come, about the future that's unfold. Because I think that in our world, we're so consumed about fear of the unknown and fear of the future. And so a lot of times we don't go forward, we stay in the same spot. Uh, We make preparation to go forward, but yet we don't always take that step of faith and move in that direction. And so uh, as the church body, what we want to do is we want to equip you and we want to train you and including myself in how to prepare for what's to come, for our vision, for our dreams, for our hopes, for our future. And so uh, I want, we're going to read this in a second. In your church info guides, you have sermon notes that we have prepared for you. It's more scripture this week. This is a unique message that I haven't prepared, or that I prepared uh, in a different way than I normally do. Normally I'm three parts, but I think that with the way that the day is going and just today, I sense this is a perfect word for the acoustic worship. Lucas actually stole my thunder a little bit with his talk, and that's when you know the Holy Spirit's on it. When somebody else that you haven't told anyone anything about communicates to communicates the same message that you're preaching. Let me tell you, it's powerful, and that you'll get to that in a second. But Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, if you're taking notes. Also, it'll be on your screens as well. Psalm 139, it says, For you created, everyone say you, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How many know that that's somewhat of a plan right there? There's a plan that is in that passage of scripture that God created David and he created you in that same way. So everyone say, I have a plan. Everyone say, God has a plan. Now flip over in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29, 11. This is a scripture that we always love to quote when we're thinking about our plans. It says, for I know, and we're going to go a little bit further. We're going to go through 13. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope in a future. So often we go to that verse and we stop because that's what we want to hear. Well, let's continue. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. See, there's a formula there that oftentimes we focus on verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. And we, we declare that over our situation. We're pumped about that. But then the formula of how that comes, to ba- comes about is in verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. So that's our formula to God, is we have to pray to God for for the formula to really take place, for the plan to be fulfilled. And I will listen to you, key word. My dad would always say, Todd, you've been given two ears and one mouth. You need to listen twice as much as you speak. Just, that's just for free. 
You seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Today, the title of my message is Plan for Greatness. Plan for Greatness. Let's pray. Father, be with us. Amen. Um, how many have ever had a plan? How many have ever had a plan? Like, you probably have plans for lunch today. You're like, oh, I know where I'm going for lunch. I've been waiting. Uh, I hope the preacher will preach quick so I can go and I can get to that round table pizza as fast as I can. You know, or you're like, oh, that you're a Rubio's person or you have a special taco shop. Or maybe you're just going home. Yeah, tacos. Maybe you're just going home and that's what you want to do. But we have plans for everything. Our world is inundated with plans. I mean, we have... I mean, like our kids have plans. Uh, we have strategic plans. We have business plans. We have family plans. We have future plans. We have fitness plans. We have financial plans. We have the long-term plan. We have the five-year plan. We have the success plan. We have the eating plan. We have Friday night plans. We all have plans. We're over-scheduled, I think, a lot of times. And we have plans, and we create plans for our future. And recently, I created a plan. And I created this really awesome plan because my son, Carter, uh, he was up here dancing his little heart out, and it's really heartwarming to see that because when he first got here four years ago, he was timid and shy, and here he is uh, in his own skin and in his own element, just rocking and rolling. But I, my son is on the autism, uh, autism spectrum, and having a son on the autism spectrum, uh, there are certain things that you can and can't do, and there are certain things that he will eat and he won't eat. So I've created a plan right? I created a plan that he will eat new things. And thank God for Daniel Tiger. Any par all the parents say amen. amen. Daniel Tiger is took over for Mr. Rogers. It's all the same stuff that Mr. Rogers taught us, but it's in a cartoon format. It's Daniel Tiger. Google it. It's amazing. Well, Daniel Tiger has this thing that my kids recently watched, and it's changed our family's life. And it says, try new things because it might taste good. That's what he says. And the whole promise is trying new things. He's trying to get kids to like new food. And so I thought, well, I heard that. Carter, you kind of like Daniel Tiger. Kennedy really likes Daniel Tiger. So why don't I create a plan? And so I create this plan. Hey, we're going to try new foods. So recently, Carter has decided that he likes cheeseburgers because he tried new foods because he might taste good. He never had a cheeseburger up until about three months ago. And so, I mean, he, now he's like, he, we, were, we were eating yesterday. He ate chicken strips that he normally wouldn't order. He'd normally order noodles, and he ordered chicken strips. And, and then he ate his sister's cheese. I mean, he's just now discovering all these new foods. And... And so I'm trying to teach him because for a long time, all he eat is noodles. And I'm like, Carter, you got to get some protein in you. You can't just eat noodles. That's terrible. And, he, and you know, I judge my parenting. I don't care. Uh, and I'm like, you got to eat some protein. And, he, and I, I said, do you want to grow up big and strong? He goes, yeah. I said, well, if you want to grow up big and strong, you got to eat some protein. Because what do noodles look like? They're all, they're all like limp and loose. That's what you're going to turn into, son. And he's, a, and he's like, He's like, okay, well, I'll eat some protein. Is cheese protein? He's trying to figure out what's protein and what's not. He was eating some yogurt last night. He goes, does this yogurt have protein in it? Six grams. Oh, not a lot. Well, so we're trying to get him to like new things. So Katie, uh, it's coming that time in November where you try, you, you know, even though it's 90 degrees outside, you're trying to eat like, like it's fall. So C Katie created a stew. And Katie, you know, Katie's a crock. She likes the crock pot. She puts everything in there because she can just set it and forget it. I think that was some, uh, yeah, anyways, but she can set it and forget it. And then we can show up and there could be a meal. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, stew, Carter and stew. How is this going to work? 
try new things because it might taste good. So I'm creating and I'm formulating a plan in my head and how I'm going to do this. And so I said, Carter, and I, I have my bowl of stew there, and I said, Carter, try new things because it might taste good. Okay, this beef right here, it's just like steak or hamburger. It's just like steak or hamburger. You like both those things. It's awesome. You're going to love this. Put it back. Okay, potatoes. Potatoes are French fries. You, parents, you've all done this. Don't lie. <laughs> These are potatoes are French fries. They're, that's all they are. It's just cooked a different way. Okay, carrots. You eat these raw. Go for it, buddy. So Carter's like, oh, and he takes his first bite. And he kind of gets that first experience. And he's like, no, you know, like, like you have those moments where you try something, you're like, I don't really, uh, no, I don't know. And he keeps on taking another bite, and then he starts to get in his head. And my plan is going by the wayside, people, and quick. He starts getting into his head. His sister then sees him, and she gets in her head. Friends, there's something about that, that when you see someone else's plan starting to fail, that your own plan begins to fail because you begin to doubt. And so literally, she loves this food, and she's, she normally would just eat it, but because her brother's response is, and he starts to like get this gag reflex. And... We, I say, keep eating, son. Keep, I'm, I'm like the encourager. I'm like, you can do it. Come on, get past it. I you didn't like salad before. I like it now. You got this. Well, what happened? He pukes all over the table. Yeah, that was great. Well, being the great father that I am, you can do it again. Come on, son. Okay, I'm not, you know, like, you judge my parenting strategy. I'm, I'm trying to make this kid like some stew so we can have a family meal together. Amen. And so I'm, I push him again, and, and the gag starts happening faster this time. And it's like, to the, it's like he hasn't even gotten in his mouth. And so safe to say, I probably traumatized my son. He'll probably never eat stew the rest of his life. But, but, but what happens when a plan that we create, because that was a good plan by my stretch of the imagination, turned out completely sideways? I think that oftentimes we have a plan in how our life is going to turn out, but we it goes completely sideways. We have a plan for what God has for what's in front of us. Maybe that marriage that we're in, maybe that marriage that is in front of us, maybe those kids that are, we have, we have a plan in our, in our mindset, but yet we don't know how to execute the plan in order to see the plan of what we see in front of us. And I think that we go and we, we quote the scriptures. We, we, we go through them. Oh, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry. And we say those scriptures, but how often do we say those scriptures and what ends up happening in our life is it ends up like my story with Carter. Our plan just goes out the window. And oftentimes in our lives, we walk through our life and we create a plan and the plan doesn't succeed, and so everything goes out the window. And we throw it all away. I'm not talking about our life, but we just, we just are happy with where we're at. And so that's the reason why we don't move forward, because the plan that we created right now didn't succeed in the days to come. And we're frustrated with it, and so we don't move at all, and we stay where we are. And I don't think that God wants us to stay where we are, right? If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. That heartbeat that's beating inside of your chest, God didn't wake you up this morning just for what, he, you know, oh, I just kind of wanted to wake you up. That's a good idea. 
No, he woke you up for a reason. Maybe it's to love your spouse better. Maybe it's to love your kids better. Maybe it's to make a difference in the community. Maybe it's to be a mentor for somebody else that doesn't have one. We all have a purpose in our life. And I think that, that maybe the reason we aren't seeing the plan go properly is because we are speaking what we are speaking over our situation. Got quiet. I figured that would happen. What we're speaking over our situation. We're saying, what we are saying is in, in direct relationship to what we're seeing. So if you're seeing, if you're seeing death all around you, what are you speaking? You know, if you walk in and you, you tell your kids they're lazy, guess what? You're probably going to see them be lazy. You're probably going to see them, walk, you know, because that's the only perspective that we see. Maybe you walk into that marriage and, and, and you're talking about that, your spouse on a negative way all the time. Well, guess what? <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but it's probably not going to be a great marriage when you're constantly on each other about negative stuff, picking at one another constantly. You have to speak some things over your life. Maybe you speak of your job as crummy. Oh, my job is so crummy. It's terrible. Well, what if God ordained you to be there to be the change agent in that organization for whatever you're doing? But yet you're the whole time going, oh, this is terrible. I hate this job. I can never. Well, no wonder no one wants to be around you because you're talking negative all the time. Your situation won't change because what you're speaking is speaking death over it. Maybe your speak over your own life is worthless. And you wonder why you feel inadequate all the time. Friends, our plan for greatness can be disrupted by the very words that we say. And don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm not saying we need to name it and claim it. No, if it doesn't align with God, it's not right then. I want to say that crystal clear. I'm not saying, God, I want a million dollars. I want a million dollars. If that's not God's plan for my life, then you know what? I'm okay with that. But we can't name it and claim it. It's not weird like that. But you, can, you have the ability to speak life into situation because life and death are in the power of the what? The tongue. So if life and death are in the power of the tongue, what are we saying over our life? Our plan for greatness can really be disrupted by the very words we speak. And some of us can't get breakthrough because we don't speak breakthrough. We can't get breakthrough because we don't speak breakthrough. And I think some of us, to be real, some of us need a spiritual breathalyzer test. Some of you need a real one, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We can have fun in church. You can laugh in church. But, but I think some of us need a spiritual breathalyzer test. What's the very things that we are speaking that are coming out of our mouth on a daily basis to our children, to our spouse, to our friends, to our family, to the co-worker that's down the street? What are the, what are the things that we are speaking? Are we speaking blessing or curses? Are we speaking victory or defeat? And we could be saying, or what we could be saying could be the result of the plan, or the reason, that is the reason the plan is not working is because what we're saying about the situation what we're saying about our life, what we're saying about one another, because my Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But yet what we do is we forget that promise right there that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we speak death over every situation, and we wonder why we are just exhausted. We wonder why we're, I mean, why is it that in our world, I'm just going to be real, can I just be real? Why is it in our world, and this is not on my notes, but I just feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to ask it. Why is it? that our world is so filled with anxiety and worry and depression. Why is it? Is it because of what we're speaking? What we're saying? What we're talking about? We're worried about, I mean, I don't know about you, but 
I know the Bible ends pretty well for us and for those that believe. So why are we worried so much? Why are we fearful so much? Why are we living in this anxious place? Oh, I'm anxious. No, be anxious for nothing. The Bible says that. And so you know what you have to do? You have to start realizing that the miracle is actually in your mouth. You might not see it. You might not see it in this moment, but you have to see it in order. You have to say it in order that you will eventually see it. And as long as it's in alignment with God's plan, God's plan. And I'm not saying you fake it till you make it. I'm saying you faith it till you make it. We need to faith it till we make it. And I'm not, again, this isn't name it and claim it. And, oh, we need this. No, no, no. I'm saying you need to be in alignment with God. That's why you have to get on your knees. Because when you're on your knees, because what did Jeremiah 29, 11, would you put that up for me, Calvin? Jeremiah 29, 11. It says in verse 12, then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me. You, friends, that is where you get your victory and that is where you get your plan. Is in that prayer room is in that quiet time. That's where God will give you the download of the plan in order for the plan to go forward. It's in that room. It's on your knees. It could be sitting in your couch. It could be driving on, on your way to work. Whatever that looks like for you, there's a plan that God has, and he wants to reveal it to you in prayer. And when he reveals it to you in prayer, then what you can do is you can understand that I don't see that, but I trust God, and I'm going to have faith that it's going to work. And I'm going to walk that out. And sometimes we need to speak faith. Speaking faith is seen beyond what we can see. It's saying my marriage might be in trouble. Or my wife is annoying. Or my husband is just lazy. But you know what? Maybe what you should stop saying about them, you should start speaking prophetically over them. No, I believe he's a winner. I believe he's a hard worker. Thank you for doing the dishes talking about those types of things, all of a sudden you're encouraging the very thing that you want to see. Because it is, it is simple. The miracle is in our mouth. Realize that we serve a God that's greater than our circumstance, greater than our situation, greater than our current state. He can take dead things and bring them back to life. For greatness is inside of you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you even before the depths of the earth. He knew you. you. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make junk. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And this reminds me of a story in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read a lot of verses. Is that okay? 14 to be exact. It's uh, a lot of verses. Uh, we don't normally do this. See what I said? It's kind of a different message. Um, I'm, dramatic pause. Anyways, uh, but Ezekiel 37, 1 through, 1 through 14. Ezekiel was asked to God or asked by God to go to the valley of the dry bones. And this doesn't seem like a very fearfully and wonderfully made portion of scripture. <laughs> hey, go, go down to the where everything's dead. <laughs> you know, oftentimes we want to go to the mountaintop. And we want to live in the mountaintop to have the greatest sight. But some of your greatest vision is in the valley. Some of the greatest vision for your life, some of the miracles are performed in the valley. Because you know what? When you're on the mountaintop, frankly, you can't get... Uh, you, you, you might not actually get the vision. You can get the sight, but you don't necessarily get the vision that when you're in the valley and you're broken and you're believing and you can see God because when you're in the valley, I think sometimes you're closest to God because you're desperate for a touch from God and you will seek him. That's when people give in their finances and God shows up because they're in the valley and they don't have much, but they just gave out of, the, out of what God said. Oh, I don't have much in, uh, in, you know, in my body. I don't have much health, but you know what, God? I'm just going to trust you with it, and miracles take place because people that are in the valley have another level of faith. 
they have a, a greater level of faith. And, and, and so this whole idea of, of being fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has a plan, and, and, and he takes Ezekiel into a dead place. That's, to me, just crazy. And, and Ezekiel's like, oh, you dead? Oh, you dead? Oh, you're really dead. You don't even have skin on. Your bones are dry. They're brittle. They're going to break. And he's just walking. His, his, you know, and I think some of us walk around like that. We walk around in a dead place where, oh, that hope, that dream, it's dead. Oh, that, that marriage that I thought was supposed to work out didn't. Oh, God, you know, my kids, they're crazy. When we, we walk around and we, they're all, we have all these dead things. Oh, my life, my life is ruined. And we just point out all the death in our life. And, and, and really, some of us identify in this passage of Scripture more with the dead bones than we do of them coming back together. Let me read it. Are you ready? And bear with me. I'm dyslexic, but this is going to be awesome. You got, you got to address the fears straight up. Uh, the hand of the Lord was on me. How many know that's a good thing? And he brought, me out of, he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put, you, I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound that the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Remember I preached a message a few months ago about uh, how is your soul on the borrowed breath of God? You can, you can literally, uh, I think it wasn't until Adam had God's breath inside of him that he was fully alive. He was laying there, but it's when God put that breath inside of him that things actually really come alive because you can't live very long without any breath. <laughs> I'm just being real. And then he said, and then he said, prophesy to them, uh, to, to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slains that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breathed and breath entered them they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army then he i don't know about you but i'd be shouting uh, then he said to me son of man these bones are the people of israel they say our bones are dried up and our hopes is and our hope is gone we are cut off how many have ever felt like that therefore prophesy and say to them this is what the sovereign lord says my people i'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them i will bring you back to the land of israel then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up for them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you, or I will settle you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful scripture. That's a pretty amazing story. And, and you see, uh, what, brought, what was brought to life, that was a moment where things were dead and they were made alive. But what brought that to life? Oftentimes we focus on the miracle of the story, but we forget about the very thing that was the essence of the miracle taking place. Because we love, we love that story of, oh, I, dry bones, they're living, there's flesh on them. I love that in part. 
But many of us don't really realize what Ezekiel had to do, had to do in that moment to, for the miracle to take place. What did he have to do? He had to prophesy. He had to prophesy. And prophecy is one of these simple things. It's speaking to things as though they aren't as they are. He didn't say, dead bones, be dead. Right? He didn't go, hey, dead bones, you're dead, stay dead. No, he spoke life into the situation. He spoke what he saw coming together, not what he currently saw. What he saw, his vision. He saw what's in front of him. And, and, and I think that, that we focus on the greatness piece, the miracle, but we forget the plan, the process. And, and in order for greatness, we need to make prophecy and prayer a priority. We need, last week you heard me say that, that prayers are prophetic. That prayers are prophetic. The things that you say in prayer, because I, I've never once said, heard anybody say, oh, well, God, give me less that stuff. Give me less things. We're always talking about, we need more help. We need more healing. God, I pray for my friend. They're brokenhearted. Come to them and show up for them even in a greater way. We, I've never heard somebody pray for, for pulling back. I've heard us go in during pray first and believing on behalf and seeing miracles take place. I've seen things take place because we go in. We prophesy as though they aren't as they are. And we, we are speaking, our voice has the power, our mouth has the power to change things. Look at Ezekiel 37, 4 through 7. I'm going to read it again because I think it's powerful that we need to be reminded because we look at the miracle, the vast army that rose up, but yet we forget about this. Then he said to me, prophesy. This is God instructing him what to do. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come. This is God instructing. If you don't know how to prophesy, guess what? Pray to God and he will give you the direction in order which you should go. And he, Ezekiel's in the valley of dry bones. He's like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. God, what, what do I do? God instructed him every step of the way. Verse, verse 6, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you. See, what God was doing was what Ezekiel couldn't, right? It's not a trick question. Let's try that again. God was doing what Ezekiel could not do. How many of us are looking for God to do something in our circumstances that is outside of our control? Well, this is the very essence in how we're supposed to do that. I will attach. He, like literally, he's, Ezekiel's a prophet. He's not a physician. He's not going and getting cadavers. I mean, he had a ton of them, but he's not putting them all together. It was God that was doing that. I will attach the bones to you and make flesh come upon you and cover them with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and as I commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and these bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he prophesied even greater. He continued to go on. And, and, and all of a sudden, what we speak has the power, has the magnitude to change the situ situations. But you're saying, Pastor Todd, what does that look like for me? Because I'm not a prophet. <laughs> I'm not Ezekiel. I've never stepped out in that. I don't, you know, like, I don't really quite understand how I can do that. I'm not, I'm not getting instructed all the, all, all the time by God. I'm going to encourage you. This is how you do it. You need to start bringing scripture to life. Because if we believe that this is the true word of God, guess what? We need to go and speak this over our situation. Some of you need to start in your home. And you need to prophesy in your home. And you're like, well, what does that look like? Well, this is what it looks like. 
Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need to start claiming that in your living room. You need to start claiming that in your car. You need to stop, start trusting the plan of God, and you need to start using his verses as prophecy over your own life. Let God fight your battles. There are times where there are the battle is too big that you can't fight, that God can only fight, and you've been fighting and fighting and fighting. You're like a, you're like a 15th round boxer. You're like a UFC, but you're beaten up and you're tired. Give it back to God. When you give it back to God, all of a sudden he can fight your battle greater than you even understand because he's the one that is in control of the outcome. So many of us put the pressure on ourselves that we're in control of every outcome and I got to do this. I'm not saying you don't do anything, but what I am saying is you got to have a level of faith and, and trust in God that he's going to fight that battle for you. So you walk around and you claim, God, you're going to fight for me. You're going to fight for my job. You're going to fight for my family. I'm going to do my due diligence, but God, I trust you. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. And you're like, Todd, where'd you get those scriptures? I Googled them. I said promises of God's scriptures. And guess what? These all came up. If, if scripture doesn't come up, don't do that. Go to scripture. Go to scripture. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise of God right there to you. That he is going to uphold you. That he's going to take care of you. That he has a plan and a purpose. James 4.7. Submit to yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. All you have to do is resist. And you have to claim it. You have to say, God, the miracle is in my mouth. I need the devil to leave me right now. You have that ability. You have that ability. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, we need to do this because that is what prophecy is. And so often we make it about, like, we pray... And, and, and spiritual gifts, let me just give you a quick little teaching here. Spiritual gifts are like this. When a baby comes out of the womb, the baby just doesn't all of a sudden start talking. That would be really weird. Right? It'd be, oh, hey, Dad. <laughs> weird. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that would just be odd. What does a baby do? A baby starts simple. Ah, 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 cool. They, they do all these weird things. And what are they doing? They're formulating words together over the course of time. And some of us have tried to be uh, like prophetic and we've tried to go and go from straight out the womb to go to prophecy and you're like to the nations. And you're prophesying to you know and you're and, and you don't really know what you're doing. This is the thing. As a child you're trained how to talk over the course of time. And then all of a sudden you can have full-blown conversations. Well, that's the process of a spiritual gift as well. Prophecy could just start by being in your room saying, I need to be still, Lord, fight my battle for me. And then all of a sudden you take another step in that, and then another step in that. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in a prayer gathering, or you're sitting at Starbucks, and you have a prompting from the Lord. And you're like, ooh, I don't know if I'm supposed to go over there and say that to them, but I'm going to. And Katie had a prompting a few weeks ago where she saw a couple that was in one of the local taco shops, and she felt a prompting. She never does this, but she felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit, and she's just like, I need to go invite him to church. And guess what? She went over there, invited him to church, said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm a pastor of a church over here, and it's an awesome church. We have a great time, and I, I would love for you to come. And they go, we've actually been looking for a church. We might check you out. You never know what the, you're speaking into situations and the life you could be creating. And so I think that, that, that we need to speak out some of these scriptures because when you speak out these scriptures, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, 
you don't just say it for the fun of it. You say it and mean it because dead plans, dead dreams, dead hopes, dead marriages in the name of Jesus will live. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and join you. Where it was once dead, just like Ezekiel can come alive. Anything can come alive. Anything. I mean, within reason. (laughs) Within reason. Uh, There's very few people that have been resurrected from the dead. Let's just say there, okay? So mortality rate is 100%, except for Jesus. But there's a lot of things that God can do. And you have to prophesy as it is right now. You have to look at your situation and say, it might feel bleak. It might feel hopeless. But I have a plan for greatness for what God has given me. And uh, sometimes we allow outside voices to disrupt the plan even before the plan can come to pass. We let other people in, and we are supposed to be listening to the voice of God. And many of you know I coached football at one point in time. And I, uh, I coached football, and I loved coaching football. But there was a time where I had a plan, and I created a game plan. And it was the fourth quarter. We're going into score. We're about the 40-yard line. The other team was up. And I had this plan, and being the coach... You walk in there, you're like, I got the plan. I got the plan. And I went in there, and I got the plan, but the plan was different than what I planned on the plan being. You ever had those moments where you have a plan, kind of like with Carter, I had a plan, and the plan didn't go as planned, so I had to figure out another plan in order to help my plan to go ahead. Anyways, uh, so I walked into the huddle. I called a timeout. I walked in the huddle. We're on the 40-yard line. And I, my plan was just to run a play as normal, just to run that play as normal. It was, it was a certain play where... Anyways, and so I had a plan to go in. And there was something happened from the moment I was on the sidelines to the moment I ran on the field after that timeout. And I get in that huddle, and I look down, and I said, guys, I have a plan. You know, I'm the coach. I'm supposed to be the guy with the plan. And then all of a sudden, in that instance, in crowds going crazy and everyone's excited, there's some shift that happened in my brain. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or if it was God. I don't believe God cares who wins or loses football games. Um, You know, we pray like he does, but who cares? Uh, But in that moment, I had this moment of clarity where I had the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit, but he told me to shift something, to shift something. Because the previous year, we were 0-10. We were terrible. I worked really hard, and we were terrible. And there comes a lot of your future plans that were in front of you. All of a sudden, when you go 0-10, you're wondering if you're questioning everything, right? And so here I am in this moment. We're on the verge of going to the playoffs. I'm thinking about my future and my plan. I run in, and I said, let's run this play. And then I said, hold on. We're going to flip-flop these receivers. And in doing so, what ends up happening? A guy runs the route. The quarterback throws a touchdown. We win the game. We go to the playoffs. All because I allowed something else in my head to trust the plan that was in front of me. It was the same plan, but I had to go and I had to look at it a little differently in order for the plan to come to pass. And some of us are in this room and you've been so beaten up by the plan that you had for your life that it hasn't shown up. Well, I've come to remind you today, friend, woman, man, husband, wife, father, mother, grandparent, I've come to remind you today today that your plan might have not gone as planned 
but there's still moments where you can prophesy inside of your mouth for greater days that are in front of you than are behind you. So many of us are living in the past with our dead plans, and I'm telling you, let those dead plans fall away. Maybe they need to be resurrected because you need to speak some life over those plans. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. In this moment, I told you Lucas stole my thunder. That little boy had just his little lunch, five loaves and two fish. He had a little bit of margin where there was lack. And that little boy thought only he had was, was just for him. But the plan that's in front of you, and when you put it in the Savior's hands, those five loaves and those two fish, it's remarkable what a Savior can do with the same plan that you have for your own life. And so what we need to do today is just take the mask off and get real before God and say, God, I've had plans that have been in front of my life. And maybe you're in this room. Maybe you're in this room today. And you're, you just don't really know the future. You don't know your own, you don't even know this thing that we're talking about known as Jesus. And I'm going to make that in this call as well. I'm going to lump it all together. Where if you've had a dead dream, that God, you believe it's been God-given, that you've allowed things and situations to overtake it, and you believe that God wants to resurrect it in your life. If that's you today, or maybe that's you and you want to see God move in your own life currently, you've been given a plan, you want to execute that plan, you want to see God move. If that's you today, no one looking about, heads, heads bowed, eyes closed, that's a private moment in a public setting. If that's you today and you want to see God move, and you want that dream and that plan to come alive. On the count of three, just simply slip up your hand. One, two, three. I